0: What is up guys, Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's tour championship, a very strategic season finale that has more game theory than it does anything else and a format that we only get once a year. So I'll walk you through every step of that and I'll show you a tool that I've been using for the last couple of years that really drives home who is most likely or who is capable of actually winning the tour championship and how that best sets up for our chances for DFS this week or putting bets. In or or really anything of that nature. So I'll, I'll walk you through the whole thing and I'll share the tool with you. But before I do that, I want to give kind of a, a final call here. Uh, if you were listening last week, you'll know that the Monday after the tour championship, that's the 29th, I'll be going on and playing poker, believe it or not, on the Hustler Casino live stream. It's a stream that goes five nights a week. You can see everybody's cards in real time. I thought it would always be fun to go play, and I found a Monday to do it so the monday after the tour championship is when i'll be in la doing that and just for kicks if you want to follow along if you want to have a little bit of uh, a financial incentive in it i'll I'll sell up to half of my action face value no markup nothing like that just if you want to follow along and, and be a part of it and uh increase your rooting interest for me hopefully you tune in either way i'm a little bit nervous but uh otherwise i I think we'll we'll be fine but if you want to get in the link is in the description it's all being done through state king so you just go through the website get it done and then um you know any winnings are allocated to you in that way but should be a blast one way or another but i think that's it let's uh let's jump into the preview for this week East Lake. Let's go. Atlanta, Georgia, the final 30 in Atlanta for the tour championship. We're going to talk about the staggered start, all that fun stuff. But let's let's get through the course preview here first. So um, if you look at the regression model, which remember, this looks at every PGA Tour stat over the last dozen years, we have a really strong uh, correlate or really strong data from east lake because we always play it at the end of every year it's it's always the final third like it's just it's just great data that comes out of it and what you'll find is that believe it or not driving accuracy is the most strongly correlated stat to success here, Uh, So that does not mean you have to hit a bunch of fairways. Not necessarily. That's obviously great. It just means that accurate drivers of the golf ball for that year are ones that have generally found more success than others when they get to this golf course. So it ranks eighth. That means there are only seven other courses on the PGA Tour in which driving accuracy is more correlated to success off the tee also falls into that category that's why you see 16th there it's it's one of the other more important stats so there's only 15 other courses in which strokes gained off the tee is more important and then right there with it is strokes gained approach um so we've got a 15 rank there that means there's only 14 courses in which strokes gained approach is more important so let's play out of the fairway let's take dead aim on our second shots and let's see how it goes at east lake i'll show you all of the numbers and the history here and all that fun stuff but I, I can't wait any longer, right? Like, normally I would come to the cheat sheet, which I'm, I'm happy to show you, but we need to talk through the matrix. We need to talk through the format. Let's start with the format. Top 30 golfers in the FedEx Cup standings. There is no cut, they will start with a score. So, because Scotty Scheffler was number one in the FedEx Cup standings before this week or heading into this week, he starts in position number one. 10 under par. I've designated that on the cheat sheet. So you're able to see what the starting strokes are. That's listed as SS on the cheat sheet, starting strokes. Scotty Scheffler has a two-shot lead on Patrick Cantlay, who is going to begin the tournament in second, Will Zalatoris in third, Xander Shoffley in fourth, seven under and six under, and then guys at... um there's, there's a handful of guys at, at, or there's one guy, Sam Burns at five under, a bunch of guys at four under, three under, so on and so forth. So um, this is incredibly important, especially when it comes to fantasy scoring. When this tournament starts, right, when, when lineups lock on Thursday morning before anyone has hit a shot, finishing point or finishing position points are going to be allocated. So Scotty Scheffler, before he hits a tee shot on Thursday, will have 30 finishing position points for his win now he is not necessarily going to have the prerequisite birdies and pars that you would normally need to get to that finishing position right so over the course of a four-round tournament you know you make a bunch of birdies you're more likely to get more finishing position points not really the case here he's just handed those 30 points and if he makes uh, two bogeys out of the gate, and Patrick Cantlay makes a birdie. Uh, boom! Patrick Cantlay's up to thirty finishing position points. Scotty Scheffler's down to twenty. Just like that, it, it can it can happen very very quickly. Um, we'll talk about the scenarios here, but keep in mind they are going to start with finishing position points. So what you're going to try to find is a combination of golfers who can significantly improve their position and also have built-in finishing position points. I think it was last year or the year before, like Chez Revy was the big mover, right? He started down at like one under or even par and he got up to like six under or seven under or whatever it ended up being. He was just one of the big movers. Kevin Na um, was a big mover last week, right? You know, he didn't win the tour championship. He did not get first place finishing position points, but he earned a lot of fantasy points in the process and improved his position. And because there is built in finishing position points, the salaries are like salaries you've never seen before, right? Scotty Scheffler is $13,600. Patrick Cantlay is $13,000. It goes all the way down to $5,000, which is how much Tom Hoagie costs. Right, so this is just kind of a bizarre little event, and not even mentioning the fact that you're going to be rostering six out of thirty golfers. Right, you're you're going to roster what one fifth of the entire field in every single lineup that you make. So the ownership is going to be wild. So we're going to need to play a little bit of game theory. But I think where we need to start, and this is always the most important thing because this this format, we're in the fourth year of it. It fries people's brains. Okay. When they come to me and they say, Rick, you know, uh, you know, someone at one under par can win this golf tournament easily. It's like, no, not really, not really at all. Right. There's, there's probably only, uh, we'll, we'll go through it together. Let's call it. There's probably only six guys that, that have like a real chance of winning the tour championship with the starting strokes. And that's by design. That's what the poor, the PJ tour wants. Right. So, We'll go through those scenarios, but um, I'm going to try to lay something out for you. And this is what I've been showing you for the last couple of years, and I've improved it a little bit this year, but it's this tour championship matrix. So you'll see on the cheat sheet, you can actually click this download button. You can just download it and mess around with this yourself. Um, So I'll I'll make that available, but here's what it looks like and why it's important. Look at this beauty. It's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of conditional formatting. (laughs) I'll take you through it. And there's a lot of tabs at the bottom. So basically, what I've done is I've loaded in, preloaded in the data for everybody in this field over their last 12 rounds, their last 24 rounds, their last 36 rounds, and their last 100 rounds. Let's start with 36. It's a really good number. Um, It's been very highly correlated to success, um, not only if you run the numbers, but like in general as of late. So what this matrix allows you to do is kind of look at the different scenarios. So if you if we kind of go left to right here, we can see I've got all the players loaded in by their starting score. I included salary and DraftKings finishing posi- position bonuses and all that, all that fun stuff. Um, but the the this, this section here, the strokes gained, is really important because what we're trying to do is say, okay, if everyone plays to their average, who wins this golf tournament? And the answer to that is Scotty Scheffler, okay? If you use the last 36 rounds, if you want to use the last 100 or 24 or 12 or whatever, because if we play, if everyone plays to their average, um, Scotty Scheffler is going to gain about 7.19 strokes to the field. That's not as much as Patrick Cantlay. It's not as much as Will Zalatoris. It's not as much as Xander. It's not as much as Tony Finau or even Rory McIlroy over the last 36 rounds. However, that two-shot lead is very, very important. So if if every single golfer plays to their average, Scotty Scheffler will gain what is essentially 14.3 shots to the field, uh, you including his starting strokes, and Patrick Cantlay will gain 12.69. So Scotty will win by 1.6 shots. Okay? Are we following along so far? So that two-shot lead that Scotty had actually gets cut into, but it is big enough to allow him to win. That is if every single golfer in this field plays to their average. So now here's where things get really spicy. Um, This gray column, column P, is is the column you're going to want to mess around with. So we say, okay, well, what is it going to take for Patrick Cantlay to win? And I've loaded this in with every golfer at their 50th percentile performance. So that just says they're going to play to their average, every single golfer. What if Patrick Cantlay plays to his 55th percentile? Not enough to overtake Scotty Scheffler. Uh, What if he plays to his 60th? Yeah, that'll do the trick. Even playing to his 57th percentile performance, which is not, not that crazy. So if every single golfer plays to their average and Patrick Cantlay plays a little bit better than average to his 57th percentile performance, that allows Patrick Cantlay to win. It is a very easy path for Patrick Cantlay to win. So that's asking Cantlay to to gain. Let's see here. Uh, 9.4 strokes to the field. How often does Patrick Cantlay gain 9.4 strokes to the field? Well, here's his golfer profile, rickrungood.com. You can see that he did it at the BMW. He did it at the Rocket Mortgage. He did it basically at the Open Championship, the Scottish Open. He did it at the Memorial. He did it at the Zurich, if you want to include that or not. He did it at the RBC Heritage. He did it in Phoenix. He did it at Pebble Beach. And he did it last year's BMW Championship. And he did it at the Tournament of Champions, right? So, or sorry, it was the American Express. So, yeah, like that's really not unreasonable To ask Patrick Cantlay to have a 57th percentile performance, slightly better than average. His path to victory, very, very clear. His path to victory is actually pretty clear if if Scotty Scheffler struggles, right? If Scotty Scheffler only has a, let's see, a 42nd percentile performance, he drops the second if everybody else plays to their average. So what I'm just trying to show you... Is the different scenarios. So let's let's keep going here and see how we can get these guys to to finish in different spots. This is the metric, the matrix that I use to correctly identify that Rory McElroy was basically the furthest guy back that could have won this in, I think it was 19, where he started at five under par. And I was like, this is the line. Rory's the last guy. Blah, blah, blah. He goes on wins it. Great. Pat myself on the back. All that fun stuff. If every single golfer plays to their baseline, to their their average, their 36-round average, Rory moves from sixth to third. So he doesn't have to do all that much to get from third to first. What does Rory have to do? Well, a... 58th percentile performance will get him there, right? Very, very little. Go gain 13 strokes to the field. That's something he's honestly kind of done quite frequently. So it's not a big leap for him to get there. Okay, what else? Um, How far back do we need to go here? So we've got uh, Rory is definitely in it. What does Xander need to do? Xander can get there with a a 60th percentile performance. No problem. What does Zalatouris need to do? Zalatoris needs to play a little bit better. He needs like a 65th percentile performance. Um, Tony Finau. And this is using the last 36. He doesn't have to do all that much. He's he's actually doing better. Let's find somebody. Okay, Sam Burns is a really good example here. Sam Burns is a high ceiling golfer. What does Sam Burns need to do from five under par? Would a 70th percentile performance get him there? No. Would a 75th? Yes. Actually a 70... Let's see. We'll look at this together. A 72nd percentile performance. Now that's pretty big. So that is asking Sam Burns to gain 14 strokes to the field. Can Sam Burns gain 14 strokes to the field? Here's his golfer profile. He did it at the RBC Canadian, and he did it at Valspar. Um, that's basically it. He did it at Valspar in 2021 as well. So he's basically done it three times in the last little over a year, but he's done it twice since um, since March. So you're basically saying once every three months or so, Sam Burns is going to have the type of performance he needs to get to the top of the board, assuming everyone else plays to their average. Now, the problem with this is when you start going further down the list, you can't assume that every single one of the top players is going to play to their average. So if Burns gets that once a quarter outcome, well, what if Scotty Scheffler just has like a slightly better than average, a 55th percentile? Yeah. Scotty Scheffler still beats Sam Burns. That's not enough for Sam Burns to capture him. So if, if Scotty Scheffler goes out and has a 70th percentile performance, that means Sam Burns probably needs a yeah, like a 90th percentile performance, an 85th or so. Like that's big, right? So you see, yes, it is possible. It is possible that Aaron Wise wins the tour championship. It just becomes increasingly less likely the further down the board that you go. So, for example, let's do, let's do air. Let's do, I guess let's do Tom Hoagie here. Because, um, and Hoagie's actually like losing strokes to the field over his last 36. So he's going to need something massive. If he has a 90, let's see what can get him there. 93, 94, 94th percentile performance. That's what he needs. He needs to gain 16 strokes to the field. Can Tom Hoagie gain 16 strokes to the field? He's done it once in his career when he won the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Outside of that, he's never cracked 14. So you're asking for basically the absolute ceiling week of Tom Hoagie's career with every other golfer playing to their average. It's an impossible path. It's an impossible path to victory for him unfortunately. Um, so, I mean, I could go through a million of these combinations. This is why I make the matrix available to you. So you can go, you can go and play through all of these and, and kind of mix and match and do whatever you want. And you can go through the tabs for, you know, use the data from the last 12, last 24, last 36, last 100. And then what, here, what is here on the right is um, basically the winning score, right? So if you just look at it and say, okay, uh, the winning score is going to be 17 under par. Well, Scotty Scheffler is the only golfer based on his means and standard deviations and and range of outcomes that gets to 17 under par half the time. 50.8% of the time he gets there. Every other golfer in this field gets there less than half of the time. Um, so you can kind of look at it that way. You know, if if this is if the winning score ends up being 22 under, Matt Fitzpatrick, based on his starting position, will only get to 22 under 14% of the time, and that doesn't even guarantee him victory. right? That just guarantees that he gets to that score. Because there could be other guys who get to that score too. You could have both Matt Fitzpatrick and Scotty Scheffler get to that score. So I, I, I keep this grid in here because I don't think people realize how important these starting strokes are actually going to be in determining the winner of the FedEx Cup. So looking at what I think the furthest back that you can come from. I believe it's Tony Finau from four under uh, six shots off of the lead. He using the last 36 round data, he would need a 67th percentile performance. Um, Him gaining 14 and a half strokes to the field. Now him gaining 14 and a half strokes to the field is something he's done in two of his last four in three of his last seven. You know, he's, he's, done that pretty routinely this summer and into the fall the other thing is um, what I also punched in if you saw is that not only Finau was going to have a 67th percentile performance but everyone above him plays above average 55th percentile so you know I'm not predicting disaster for everybody else like you have to assume these guys are going to play pretty well I believe Tony Finau is the furthest back The winner will come from so so I believe that these are your um this is the list of golfers that can actually win the the, you know the FedEx Cup without something outrageous happening Scotty Scheffler Patrick Cantlay Rory McIlroy Xander Shoffley Will Zalatoris, Tony Finau I believe it's those six um it would take a heroic effort from Cam Smith it would take something magical from Sam Burns even though he's starting closer at 5 under. Like let's look at John Rom. Like John Rom's like his his ceiling is so high. What could we get on Rom here? And you know, if we like if we use last 100, I bet you Rom shows up a little bit better here. Yeah, so Rom, if we use last 100, see Rom still needs Rom still needs like a 73rd percentile performance. He needs to gain 13 strokes to the field. Let's see how often he does that. He did it when he won in Mexico. He did it at the Tournament of Champions. And then those were the only two times he did it this year. Um, so that feels like a pretty sizable ask for Rahm to be the John Rahm of his last 100 rounds, get a 73rd percentile performance or a 74th percentile performance, and then have everyone else above him play just to their average. It just, just, the path feels very, very empty. So again, I think it's Scheffler can't lay Rory, and Rory from four under. Xander, Wilsal, Taurus, Tony Fina. Though I, I, I believe the math says one of those six is likely to win if anybody else comes from from further back or even some of these guys are closer like Sam Burns is closer I just don't think the math always adds up for him um I'd be I'd be quite surprised it would take a very very strong effort so knowing what we know and I know that took a long time but it's critically important how do we now translate this back to DFS you're not going to be able to roster uh Scotty Scheffler can't Xander will R- you know Rory so on and so forth because they're all the most expensive. So if you if you compare the matrix now back to the cheat sheet to the actual pricing, well, what do you notice? Well, of the six guys that I said I think these are the six that can actually win it. Um, the four of them are the four most expensive golfers: Scheffler, Cantlay, Shoffley, Zalatoris. Rom, I kind of ruled out. I mean, it, it, for you to play Rom. You are asking him to again win the shadow leaderboard, get a little bit of help. I mean, he's almost just not going to get you enough finishing position points, even if he goes out and wins the shadow leaderboard. The shadow leaderboard being the 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 gross version, right, where they just count every single stroke. Um, I, I I I'm not sure as we continue to go throughout the week. Like, I don't think you can play John Rom necessarily when you could get Rory for hundred dollars cheaper, who's more likely to win, already starts a shot ahead of him. But like Tony Finau, who was the sixth guy that I pointed out, is $9,600. He's priced below Cam Smith, Sam Burns. So so that feels like the best built-in value, Tony Finau, $9,600, based on guys that can actually win. So he could significantly improve his finishing position points over the course of the week. So $9,600 Tony Finau has my full attention. The top of the board is really fun, obviously, right? So Scotty Scheffler, and I want to be clear about this. A two-shot lead on the PGA Tour is nothing, okay? It is nothing. However, and what we've seen is, you know, that can go away. I think when when Justin Thomas was number one, uh, which I think was 2019, again, these years have all run together for me, the two-shot lead that he had was gone like five holes in. So the two shot lead is not a guarantee of victory, but it is basically a guarantee of you staying in the mix, okay? So that that two shot lead plus also already being 10 under par. If you shoot even par for four rounds, you're still going to be in the mix. So you're 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 paying for the floor there, you're not necessarily paying for the ceiling. So I actually think it is it's actually kind of hard to roster Scotty Scheffler in some scenarios because you're already paying for the built-in you're already paying for the ceiling when I think you should be paying for the floor, but that's not the way the pricing is set up. It's kind of like an awkward situation. So let's look at the matrix in another direction here. Like, what does it take for Scottie Scheffler to simply fall out of first? Uh, Let's see. Not much. A slightly below average performance, right? A 40 second percentile performance while everyone else plays to their average and if these guys behind him play above that like it just it just doesn't take much scottie Scheffler could gain 5.4 strokes to the field over the course of the week and lose 10 finishing position points it's very easy for him to drop out of first but what would it take for him to dro- like com- drop out of the top 5 um, a pretty bad performance, right? He would have to basically be like a like a thirtieth, a thirty-fifth percentile performance is basically what it would take for him to drop out of the top five, which is him gaining four shots to the field over the course of the week. Let's see how often he's done only that. Well, the only time he hasn't done it is in cut events, right? Like when he's made the cut, he's He's gaining four, five, six, seven, eight, fifteen. You know, like he's just gaining a ton of strokes, and he's guaranteed four rounds here. So, pretty unlikely that Scheffler loses strokes to the field in this event. And even if he does, he's not going to drop too far. So, um, unfortunately, you probably can't roster him. Unfortunately, I, I don't think I don't think he's rosterable. I think I think the way to play this is um, buy into potential upside. So we talked about now. Zalatoris is here. What do you want to do with Will Zalatoris? Because he withdrew from the BMW championship. He was like four under par, the back injury. That's pretty concerning, right? But he is three shots off the lead, one shot off of second, um, you know, hot as a pistol right now. We we kind of want to get some more information, but I will tell you this even if we don't get any more information, will that be enough to keep people away from? from Will Zalatoris, the WD, with injury last week. That was a public injury, right? There are so many times where a guy withdraws and you never see any footage, you never hear about We literally watched him getting um, treatment, greenside, and the physical pain he was in. When you are rostering one-fifth of the field in every single lineup, the ownership percentages are going to be critical, right? So if you if you could somehow promise me, Will Zalatoris at half the ownership of Xander Shoffley or something to that effect, I'd be very very interested in that. So we'll know later in the week, Wednesday, three p.m. Eastern time, Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That's um, we'll we'll, we'll get some projected ownership stuff as the week goes on, and maybe we'll know some more news. But Zalatoris, with his position and his recent form, is the X factor around here. Now, when we start to get below this into like the nines and the eights and the sevens and all that stuff, we've got to start finding guys that can make big moves. Uh, Justin Thomas is going to be incredibly popular and I, I, I get it. Right. So if you load, you know, everybody at East Lake, um, you know, in the history that we have, right. Who's number one. Well, Xander Shoffley is, uh, well, hold on. Let me see. Make sure I have this here. Xander Schauffele, number one, 20 rounds, gaining 2.05 to the field, a win, a T7, two runner up finishes, a T5. Now remember those are when we switched in 2019, those finishes are the actual finishing position is the, uh, the FedEx cup, but like the strokes gain stuff, that's just, that's just all raw. That's the gross stuff. So that's probably what you'd prefer to look at. Justin Thomas is number two right? I mean, 24 rounds, 1.3. He's been better than Rory Rahm. Literally everybody than Xander Shoffley. I'm still worried, okay? So, and I think he's going to be popular because I think people know the upside that he has. The saga of Justin Thomas with the putter continues. Um, He, let me pull it up here so that you can see it. It's now five straight events in which he's lost strokes with the putter. And he has now switched putters, right? He put a new gamer in play last week in Wilmington and immediately saw dividends. He gained two strokes putting in the opening round at Wilmington Country Club. And I was like, oh no. Like, I'm about to get burned here on a JT... Putting week because he put a new club in I didn't know about, and he gets shorter, and it's like, oh no, he just fixed it. Well, he didn't. He then lost uh, a stroke and a half, three and a half, and another stroke over the final three rounds, lost in total what did it end up being? Nearly four shots putting. Actually, his second worst performance um in this stretch here. He lost a little bit more at the Scottish Open, but like, okay. So I think he's going to be very popular. I'm still worried about the one thing that kind of spurs. How fast JT can go? I see Finau at ninety six. I see some guys I like. You know, ninety one and Sung Jm's great. Like all, I, I just probably will not be getting access to Justin Thomas this week. The other X factors are here in the lower eights, upper sevens, right? So Joaquin Neiman, who has been horrendous. At Lake, like I'm not even kidding. He's lost like 18 strokes to the field in eight rounds. It's it's like the worst performance of anybody who's ever played here or who, of, of, of guys in this field. Excuse me. Um, however, it's kind of hard to look past what he's up to, right? Because he had another great ball striking week last week. He had another great tee to green week last week. Um, the putter, which and this is almost the opposite of Justin Thomas, you know, Joaquin Neiman's lost putting in six straight but the last four have been minor losses and he has shown us that he's a very good putter at times right there was a time last year where he was a top 10 putter in the world for an extended period of time and that feels like we're much closer to a breakout than maybe jt who's now tinkering and all that stuff coaches so it's just kind of like two guys with similar stat profiles um that I feel quite differently about one, obviously a lot less expensive. That's that's Joaquin Neiman. And then the other one is Colin Morikawa. You know, the, the idea that he makes a 10 on, what was that? 11 or 12 last week on Sunday and just bombs his finishing position to T44 is amazing. Amazing. Right. So look, let's, let's actually look at the round by round stuff here from Colin Morikawa, $7,900, criminal. So he puts two in the water, loses four strokes on approach Sunday. What had he done before that? Rounds one, two, and three at the BMW Championship gained at least a stroke on approach in each one of those. He has gained, outside of that Sunday round, the BMW Championship, five straight rounds in which he's gained at least one stroke on approach. Absolute elite, elite stuff. That's by rounds. That's craziness. He is showing us the ceiling. He is also one of these guys that has the type of ceiling to really fly up the board. He's not going to win the Tour Championship. He has nine shots back. He's not going to win it. But can he be the guy that goes from, you know, starting in a tie for, what would that be, like 21st to finishing 6th? Let's find out. Let's go to the Matrix. Here's Morikawa. A 75th percentile performance from Colin Morikawa. 10.7 strokes gained gets him to 7th. And that's using his last 36, which have not been very good, right? So let's let's look at that. So 10.6. Can Colin Morikawa get to 10.6 strokes gained? Well, he did it at the U.S. Open. He did it at the Masters. Um, Got eight at the FedEx St. Jude. He got it at Genesis, right? So this is something he's done twice since the Masters when he's arguably, arguably been playing pretty poorly. Right. So I bet if we go back to the matrix and we plug in his last 100 and we say, what's his 75th percentile performance in his last 100? I bet you we get something better. Right. Yeah. Fourth. Right. So if you're if you're willing to say, which I don't think is a huge leap that, okay, he's back to hitting the baby cut, which he's confirmed and that he's looked. You know, six of the last seven, seven of the last eight, whatever you want to call it, looked great in that range. Plus, we know the ceiling. If you want to give him credit for last 100 version of Colin Morikawa and he goes out and has a 75th percentile um, performance, which is not that crazy, he jumps into the top five. You know, obviously a lot of other factors. But that, that's the kind of guy we're looking for right? That's the kind of guy you use Aaron wise, 75th percentile performance. Actually, he gets the, he gets the seventh. If you use Sepp Straka's, whoops, try that again. You get use Sepp Straka's. Wow. Straka can get to fourth too. Oh, cause he had that big, yeah, the ceiling stuff. That was a bad example. I guess let's try, uh, let's try Brian Harmon. Okay. Yeah. Like Brian Harmon can only get to ninth, for example, if everything goes right. And the more guys you put in between them, the harder it gets, but Wow. How about that? How about that? Then you start getting down, you know, to these guys here, you know, below seven thousand five hundred or so, and these are the guys that are likely going to determine all the money, whether you like it or not. They're they're probably going to determine all the money. Um, Sep Straka, I'm really interested to see what we get from Sep in terms of ownership. Because he is what you describe as the the clear built-in value, right? He's going to start at four under par. Well, four under par, and he is cheaper than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different golfers who are going to start behind him on the leaderboard. So how valuable is that one shot? Well, it kind of depends on what version of Sepp Straka you think you're going to get this week. Because if you get last 24 version of Sepstraka, um it's not particularly pretty right he would actually fall to 29 because he has some crazy outlier stuff but if you do last 12 Sepstraka, uh it's much better than that it's still not great he's still losing to the field actually if I did last eight you'd you'd get like a a pretty good version of him I guess I could do that but that's the idea is basically any other time frame that's not 8 rounds, he's losing to the field. How about for last 100? Yeah, still losing. There. I mean, he's like the only loser in the field over the last 100. Um, you know, he gets into this event he gets into this event because he pops off and wins at Honda and then he has that really good week in what was it, Memphis. So that's kind of a I I I guess I I guess as I'm talking this out, I want people to play him because he's likely the the candidate to fall the most i think the big risers from this range are jt poston who if everyone plays to their 24 average Poston goes from 26th to 14th Corey Connors goes from 21st to 15th those are your big risers your big fall hoagie talked about kh lee uh brian harman would get passed by some guys um let's look at i want to look at uh I want to look at Brian Harmon real quick. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty strong as of late. Um, T3 at, at FedEx St. Jude, T6 at the Open Championship, T eight at the Traveler. So that's three top eight finishes in his last six. That's pretty good. The other thing that I would want to look at from this range is who's who's got the ceiling. You need a ceiling week for guys that are going to move up. So this is um essentially one standard deviation over their mean. So for example, Adam Scott would be. Like a 17.6, which is stroke's gay. That's that's pretty massive. Um 17.15 for posting. Where is sahib 15.18 okay so that's kind of interesting so Sahith's ceiling is higher than aaron wise's higher than brian Harmon's and Corey connor's and tom Hogie's and billy Horshoals and joaquin Niemans and max homa's we'll talk about max homa and justin thomas's in the last 24 again that's ceiling right he's going to be much less consistent than than those guys but that 15.18 ceiling from Sahith is that's big over the last 24, and that's what you're like what you're looking for down here is absolute ceiling place. You want him to go from 26th to uh ninth. Right? That that's that's the path. I had one more thing I wanted to look at. Uh oh, Max Homa terrifies me. Can we can we do I love you, Max? Can we do this? Is this not screaming red flags to you? The guy who was I mean, there was a stretch of this summer where he was, you know, for last 24, 36 or whatever, like the best ball striker on the PGA tour. He's still driving it fine. He has lost strokes on approach in five straight minus three, minus three, minus one small loser, minus three. Yikes. That's, that's pretty concerning. Now goes to Eastlake for the first time. Yikes. I continue to be worried about that. So that, that worries me a little bit. So again, I know I've just thrown a lot, like that's a lot. And we'll, we're going to do a model here in a second. Um, but this is a, this is like a game theory strategy week. And just to recap all of this, um, you want to pay for floor at the top and ceiling at the bottom. I believe the golfers that I think uh, the six golfers that I think can win this are Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Will Zalatoris, Rory McIlroy, and Tony Finau. Those, based on their finishing positions, those are who I believe are going to it. The guys at the bottom, like a Sahif, who has a really high ceiling, an Adam Scott, who has a really high ceiling, Uh, Colin Murakawa with a really high 100-round ceiling, a Joaquin Neiman, those are exciting guys. Guys that worry me. Justin Thomas, Max Homa. Guys that I just don't think you can necessarily feel super happy about rostering Scotty Scheffler, because you're paying for the lead, and we know it's no guarantee that he's going to get those 30 points. Um I actually think John Rahm's quite difficult to pay for because his path to the top is quite narrow and you're paying for it, right? Like, like that's you know, he's by far the most expensive guy. Um wow, I mean he's the most expensive golfer starting at five under or worse and he's starting at three under so you can get burns at five under for a thousand dollars cheaper it's just, you know so that that's that's tough to me but this is really and then and then will's Altouris is like the absolute x factor right if you think if you think we can get a healthy four rounds out of will um he 100 percent could win this whole thing which is which is kind of exciting let's run a model and see what that comes up with so last um we could do less like 20 rounds you know we're we're in it now right most of these guys outside of like cam smith have played you know the first two playoff event like this is just five starts for most of these guys let's say so what did the model say the model said accuracy um and, and off the tee so like we'll kind of do just like a little a little like 15 on accuracy 10 on distance do our own weighted uh strokes gained off the tee we know that Strokes gained approach is critical. So we're going to go like 30 there. So that leaves us with 45. Then what we'll do is go, um, you know, Eastlake can play pretty difficult. Let's throw bogey avoidance in there, which is always fun for 20. And then our last 25, let's just do fantasy points gain. Like that's what we're playing, right? And we want guys who are going to be able to move up the board. So let's do that. There's only 30 golfers. My number one golfer is, oh boy, yeah, no, no surprise, Tony Finau, number one. Scott Stallings, number two, believe it or not. Yeah, he's been, last 20, he's been phenomenal. Rory, Will Zalatoris, I'm sorry, Rory, Xander, Will, Cantlay, Scotty, Sungjae, Corey Connors, John Rahm. Sepstrock is dead last for me. That's probably no surprise. Homo's 25th for me. Uh, JT is 18th for me. Now, this is just one of many models we could run, but yeah, very, very interesting stuff there. So again, the matrix is a fun little tool to play around with and see how likely it is for these guys to actually win the golf tournament. Um, it's linked on the cheat sheet. You can have at that. It's, it's going to be an absolute blast. I know I threw a lot at you there, but betting previews coming Tuesday, live chat on Wednesday. You can, um, holler at me on twitter all that fun stuff yeah should be a blast tweet me at rick Rungood. leave a comment below best of luck and i'll talk to you guys soon